P-S-N-Y. We have made it. This is the well. We don't have a name yet. We'll we'll surprise you guys later down the road. But it's a fantasy sports podcast from Elite Sports New York, Elite Sports Radio. I'm Rob Sabo. On the other side is Lawrence Dotto. If I get his name wrong and say Dodo, don't kill me, Lawrence. Please don't hey, do that. It's no big deal. I've been hearing this since third grade. I've heard Dodo. I've heard you know a great one that's caught on since probably I was eight was Doodoo, which is very original. As long as you don't say that, I think we'll be all right. Yeah, you got set up there. I mean, there's nothing you could do. <laughs> I get Sabo too. What what can you do? Yeah. You know, play fantasy sports. I guess that's about it. <laughs> that's all we but, can do now. Yeah, but it's interesting. We start this podcast for everybody. An hour to go before my last fantasy football draft of the season. It's a dynasty league. Keep 12, draft eight, 20 round draft starting in an hour. And Lawrence, me and you made a trade prior to this draft in which I gave you, what was it, the number nine overall pick? You gave me the eight overall pick. Don't you dare try to take away a number already. Okay, number eight overall pick. And I think a sixth round. And you gave me a second, a third, a fourth, and you're sitting in the number two slot in the first round in a snaking fashion. Yes. How do you think this is going to play out? Well, the thing for me, when you're playing in any type of fantasy league, it doesn't matter what the sport is, it doesn't matter what you're doing, I want to get as much top talent as possible. Because when you, the farther you get in drafts, the talent starts to dwindle a little bit, the production starts to dwindle. So anytime I can move up, higher in a draft where I can sacrifice some of those middle round picks where some of the guys you're not really sure on, you're kind of taking flyers on some of them. I want to make sure I get that top tier talent and having two picks in the top eight in a dynasty league is exactly what I want to do. And I think that's the key. The dynasty aspect of it is what you're looking at. What I'm looking at is that it's a 10 team league rather than a 12 team league. So in the second, third, fourth round, those middle rounds are going to be a lot uh, more plentiful as opposed to a 12-round league. So I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out tonight in an hour. Um, but you, you're gonna, you need to give me a thank you because you're going to be set up with, I have a feeling you might go McCaffrey at two. See, I don't know. You might go Zeke, but McCaffrey at two and then come back with a stud receiver at number eight. That's exactly what I'm hoping to try to do. The thing is, I'm going to have those two top guys, and that's going to be amazing. But like you just said, you're going to have six picks between rounds two, three, and four. And those guys there, you're going to get guys like Dalvin Cook, Odell Beckham. You're going to get, you know, you're going to get Juju's. You're going to get Keenan Allen. You're going to have so much depth on your team from those rounds two to three. You might not have the superstar like I will, but your team is going to be so well off with depth that if you suffer an injury to one of your top guys you can easily replace them me just say i go zeke number two and he doesn't play or he gets hurt i am going to be hurting mccaffrey over camara see the thing is i love mccaffrey because he's going to touch the ball 
about 100 to 110 times just from catching it out of the passing game. I love that. There's a lot of reports coming out of Carolina that they're going to cut back his rushing, which kind of scares me a little bit. But the reason why I like McCaffrey over Kamara is if you look at his total touches, he's probably going to be 100 to 125 less touches than McCaffrey, than Elliott, than David Johnson. But he's such a touchdown maker that it's so hard to pass up him at number two. And another thing that scares me about Kamara, he has Drew Brees at his quarterback. If he leaves, I don't know what they're going to do in New Orleans. So that offense is not going to be the same. And that's another aspect I'm trying to look at in a dynasty league. Yes, and because it's the dynasty, that's the key here. Now, the news. You brought up the news. I'm a credentialed writer for the Jets, so I'm at Florham Park nearly every day. The first thing people need to realize about news is 75% of these beat reporters have no idea. They don't know what they're looking at. They don't know football. And to be great at fantasy football, you have to understand the game somewhat. When you're looking at running backs, look at his look at history. It's about schemes. It's always about schemes. Denver, Orlandis Gary, Mike Anderson, CJ Anderson last year, prior to Los Angeles. What did that big dude do? Nothing. He was so chonk last year playing for the Rams, but like you said, he was in such a good scheme that they basically, when Todd Gurley was hurt, they just plugged in that chonk running back, C.J. Anderson, and he did amazing things. He looked like a capable running back. Now he's going to be in Detroit. I don't think he's even going to be rosterable in any league. Yeah, and that is the key. Now, if you have carry on, okay, handcuff him. And I'm not a huge fan of handcuffs in this new age because there, there really isn't such a thing as handcuffs other than a, a several spots across the league. You know, oh, when, like, it's 60, when it's 60, 40, 75, 25, it's not a handcuff. Oh, absolutely. Like, if you're going to handcuff somebody, you need to handcuff the Barkley who's going to get the 85 to 90 touches, the Zeke Elliott, the David Johnson. Those are, like, one of the few running backs that you need to handcuff. I used to love handcuffing, but like you just mentioned, half these backups now are still getting 25 to 35% of the carry, so there's really no need to roster them. And a lot of people waste roster spots in their fantasy league, especially in the dynasty ones. Like, oh, I'm going to hold on to this guy, you know, when – so-and-so goes down, he's going to be a stud. Well, it's like, it's not always going to work that way. If this guy's already getting 25% of the carries and you bum him up to 40 or 50, his production isn't really going to jump off the page that much. Right. And when you're thinking about a handcuff as opposed to a lottery ticket, you're limiting, you're limiting your, your ceiling. You know, oh. if you have Zeke and you come back with Pollard, Zeke minus the holdout. Think normal Zeke. And you take Pollard the ceiling is lower. If you have Zeke and you take a, a Justice Hill, a lottery ticket, you could double that ceiling. So it's a very interesting give and take. And thinking about Zeke and Melvin Gordon, where do you stand right now on those two situations? Melvin Gordon, now, I saw this on Twitter yesterday and got me a little excited because I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. He unfollowed the Chargers on Instagram and then he followed the Eagles. So in my little brain, I thought, Holy crap, he's going to the Eagles. But the if he even goes to the Eagles, he's still not going to get the number one work, you know, the running back touches that you want out of him. He's in such a weird situation because even if he gets traded, he's not going to go to a team right away and be the number one guy and get all these touches. And his best case scenario right now is if he stays in Los Angeles, and signs a one-year deal, and then you'd need to draft him in a, probably the second round, maybe. But other than that, I am not touching Melvin Gordon this year. I don't see a situation right now 
where he's going to go to, and he's going to be a number one running back. And that's where you're going to have to if you draft him. That's what you're looking for. Yeah, I did not see that Eagles news following them. I did not see that. But you know the Eagles with Peterson. Is it a case of always wanting to rotate those backs, or is it a case of not having that featured back? What well, do you the, think on that? In the years past, they went with, you know, they always went to Jai, then they brought in the Sproles, and then they brought in the Wendell Smallwood, then they brought in the Clement. They like to try to switch it up, get different guys in there. I don't think Philadelphia's had a number one guy. I think they have a number one guy in their roster in Miles Sanders. But other than that, he's going to be swooping him and Jordan Howard in and out pretty much regularly. And then you're going to have Darren Sproles on, you know, some third and longs. I, I, even if he goes to Philly, he's not going to be worth it. And I, most running backs on the Eagles, they're just going to be 30, 40% touches. And there's not going to be much that you can really like in that offense running back wise. Yeah, see, that's the thing. We're talking running backs. When you're thinking about drafting running backs, acquiring running backs, picking up running backs, think scheme. Eagles are, it is a tremendous scheme for their running backs. It's not a tremendous personnel situation because we don't know if Peterson just loves this rotation and will abide by it no matter who he has or not. And even if Gordon doesn't go there, if Sanders is the real deal, we'll find out that answer, I don't know, over the first six, eight weeks probably. Yeah, the reports coming out of the Eagles training camp and then now the first week of practice is, is Sanders is a clear dude in that backfield but again i'm not going to trust it until i see it not until i see two three four games of him receiving 15 to 20 touches i just i'm just not going to believe it until i see it who if zeke the news coming out of dallas are you zeke or mccaffrey right now right now in all honesty i'm probably still going zeke i just love the dude's upside i love how much he touches the ball and last year, he set career highs in receptions, targets, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns. They're finally getting him the ball in the passing game. And that was his biggest bugaboo heading into last season. People are like, oh, you can't take Zeke in the first five picks because he doesn't catch the ball in a PPR league. Now he's finally catching the ball. He's only going to be about 20 to 25 uh, catches away from McCaffrey. And he's going to get probably 100 to 125 more rushes in him. So if I had to choose right now, we have a draft in 50 minutes. Mm -hmm. Zeke is going to be my second pick, I think. So this means you're taking Zeke second. So this means I'm going to have to take Pollard before you in the draft. I'm going to draft Pollard with my second pick in the first round just so you don't snake me. (laughs) And then report back to the people on what trade offers you're giving for Pollard. Because I'm going to take him. I'm going to snipe him from you in like a six or seven. That's what I like to hear. Yeah, so... All right, that's interesting. And Gordon, I'll tell you, uh, if you're if you're in the second, third round, I'm more early rounds. I'm more I play it safe. I don't like to take the guys that could get injured. When everyone when anyone says football's in uh, a rough game and everyone has a chance to get injured, yeah, of course that's true. You dummy. Of course everyone has a chance to get injured. But when you look at the analytics and you look at the stats, some guys get injured more than others. Oh, absolutely. And on top of that, with injuries, holdouts. Le'Veon Bell set the bar last year. Now, whether or not you think he came out on top, you could debate it all you want. But guys are following in those footsteps, and Le'Veon is actually calling out their name when they do hold out. It's a fraternity. They've been devalued, and these guys know this. And But it's got to scare the hell out of you. I wouldn't touch Melvin Gordon unless he slid to like the fifth or sixth round. Oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. The sixth, I think, is the absolute earliest I'm going to even think about drafting them. It's just, like you said, those first two, you can't lose your draft in the first, second, or, the first, second, or third round, but you can really screw up your team where it's going to be, you're going to be looking at free agents all year. You're going to be trying making trades. I'm the same way as you. In the first two to three rounds, I want those safe workhorse or just high volume receivers that I know week in and week out, they're going to get me my production and carry my team because there's always going to be a guy or two that you're going to have to start after the bye week start that you're not really too sure about. So when you have that absolute stud, like the Barclays, the Elliott, the McCaffreys, they can carry your team when you have to put in some guy you're not really comfortable playing. Okay, now McCoy. How do you think, did Andy Reid acquire this guy to use him, or did he acquire him as an extra body? Well, according to the reports right now, LaShawn McCoy and Damian Williams both viewed as co-starters. In other words, get your fist, punch yourself in the face as hard as you can, and just don't draft any of the Kansas, you know, the Kansas City Chief running backs, because that's what you're going to be doing all year. You're going to start Damian Williams week one, he's going to do great. And then LaShawn McCoy is going to chirp his way in there. And he's going to take away carries. And he's going to take away carries. And the thing about Kansas City, McCoy and Williams, they're not even going to get the ball on the goal line. That's going to be, that's going to be Darwin. Uh, I'm messing up his name. Darwin Williams. Darwin Thompson. Thompson. There you go, Thompson. I just had it written down, too. He's the guy that they're already saying that's getting the goal line touches is Darwin Thompson. So you're going to play these guys. They're going to get you 20, 30 yards of drive. And then Thompson's going to get the handoff at the goal line. It's going to get you all the fantasy goodness. I am staying away from all running backs in Kansas City. Yeah, and it's a shame, too, because it's one of the greater running back schemes at the moment. Oh, it's uh, unbelievable. It's, I had, it would be I, one of those plug-and plays, and, but now they have three guys, and now it's, it's completely unplayable in fantasy. Yeah, I'm going to slap Andy Reid all over the place. I have Darwin Thompson in all of my leagues so oh, far. So do I. See, now, nah, now we're going to have some problems tonight because I'm going to try to get him before you do. I'm uh, still, I okay. still love Thompson. I'm still oh, going to get him too. on my team. Me too. And, and the McCoy news devalues him a little bit. So um, under he's going to maybe slide back a round or two, but we're both on top of it, which means he'll probably slide up a round. And what I'm going to see, what I think is going to happen with this, this is going to be a mess all year. McCoy... Or Williams is going to get hurt, and then Thompson's going to get maybe those, those 25 to 35% of the touches that we were talking about. And this time next year, we're talking about Darwin Thompson, the way people were talking about Williams at the beginning of the year. We're like, oh, second, third round pick, you have to get him, scheme, blah, blah, blah. That's, what I, that's how I think he is, and especially in a dynasty league like we're in right now. Perfect type of player to draft late and keep him later. See, that's the thing. People in July, in August – early September, they always forget what the draft board looked like the year before. Yep. They always forget, and one year dictates the draft board to such a considerable degree when it should be looked at as a three-year window. I don't understand how ADP gets fluctuated so much by just one year when it really should be based on three years. It's unbelievable. That's, that's a perfect just, just piece of advice that People get too caught up in year to year. I have people ask me all the time, oh, you know, who do you like more and so-and-so? And I'll tell them, look, I like this guy who's going a little bit later. You know, A.J. Green this year is going as a receiver 30-32 because he's hurt. Now, people are like, oh, why are you drafting A.J. Green? You know, he's hurt. Why are you doing it? He's only 31 years old. Even in a keeper-style league, every year he's played 14 games or more. He's finished as a top-10 receiver. And now you're getting him in round 7, 8, 9? Those are the picks that you have to make that in that three-year window where you're going to go, 
this guy's not going to help me this year in the first couple of weeks. But after that, he's going to give you such good numbers. Mm-hmm. Now, this will essentially be our first and last fantasy uh, football show on the draft, obviously, because we're, what is it, September 2nd? Yes. But let's discuss, I'm a big proponent of do not touch players. Having that list of do not touch that guy based on their value. Now, in reality, is it a true do not touch? No, because if he falls to a certain round, yeah, scoop him up. But I do have a large do not touch list. Oh, my list is, I see these other guys writing, and a lot of the guys out there that I see write, they're great writers, they're trying to give you awesome advice. Some dudes' lists are like two people. And it's like, no, yeah. dude, there's got to be more, because like you said, everyone is draftable, it just depends on where. So, yeah. I mean, I know you're a Jets guy, and I know that you cover him a lot. Is there a Jets receiver? I feel every single Jets receiver is on my do not touch list. Okay. Quincy Inunua, do not touch. Okay. That man has played 40 games out of a possible 80 games in his career. Oh. That's 50%. Le'Veon Bell is not on my do not touch, but I'll tell you what. As a first rounder, I would not be excited. He's played one full season in six possible seasons. Oof. One. You gotta have that reliability. One, he's played 13 games, 16 games, 6 games, 12 games, 15 mm-hmm. games, and then sat out last year. I don't understand it. David Johnson. I would not touch David Johnson. Ooh. That Arizona Cardinals offensive line is atrocious. The head coach is a college coach. We don't. Could he turn out to be a great coach? Sure. But I would not touch David Johnson as, as per a top five, top six running back. Ooh, our first argument, yes. All right, what do you got? All right, so Cliff Kingsbury, he's just a man rocket. And you see him out on the sidelines, and he's just, he's just, he just looks like he's calling a Madden game because he's just going, everyone, you run deep, and we're going to throw the ball. We're going to get many plays off. We're going to get as many as possible. I love David Johnson. I know that line is crap, but two years ago, he was the number one running back. He had over 2,000 total yards. He had 20 touchdowns, and that was with an old Carson Palmer and an not as creative offensive coach. I love David Johnson and Kyla Murray this year. They're going to run so many plays, and even if I know they're not all going to be smooth plays and I know they're all not going to be winners, but to get that much volume, and he's so talented, they're going to put him in the slot. They're going to put him, you know, they're going to get him moving. I love David Johnson this year. So the re- now another reason on top of yeah the volume will be there. There's no question the volume will be there, but the uncertainty with the coach, the uncertainty with Kyler Murray. I'm not a fan of Kyler Murray either. Even in the dynasty league, I don't see. I see him more of the mold of a disappointing Marcus Mariota type quarterback. Okay. David Johnson. He's also 27 years old. Running backs start to fall off at that 27, 28-year-old range. So him and Le'Veon make me very nervous, but I would take Le'Veon over David Johnson in a heartbeat. Okay, yeah, see, that's the thing. Again, we're talking about dynasty leagues. We're not just talking about this year. Long run, I absolutely agree with the 27-year-old running back. You know, he's, he's taking a lot of hits. When he's on the field, they just feed him the ball. I just think he's one of those guys that I'm willing to take a chance on because he's got that number one upside but i do see what you're talking about with the new offense the quarterback who's about four foot eight it's going to be a struggle for him but i think there's just going to be those games that you plug and play him and he's just going to put up monster numbers 
See, right. even in a even in a yearly league, I would start thinking about taking a receiver over at the fifth spot. The fifth spot. The David Johnson, the Le'Veon Bell, uh, who else? The Nick Chubb. I some of these guys are gonna bust. You, and you gotta try to recognize that before um you own that guy who busts. Oh, I agree hundred percent. Because that's that's I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at ADP. It's good. It's obviously Barkley, Kamara, McCaffrey, Elliott. Those are the locks. Those are the studs. And I can see at the five pick, you know, Johnson, Chubb, James Conner. I, I do like James Conner more than the rest of them. But Le'Veon, Joe Mixon, that team is awful in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I can see receiver going in the fifth the fifth pick, especially Devontae or DeAndre. Who do it's you like more out of those? Uh, I, I think DeAndre is one, Devontae is two, Michael Thomas is three. Yeah, okay. Ooh, Michael Thomas three. I like that. I, I think that's my order. And then after that, we, we get a drop off. I'm Do you not... think that's, that's like the top tier receiver? You got yeah. the DeAndre, yeah. Devontae, and then Michael, and then the next round is the drop off? And then uh, there's a drop off. And okay. I am not into the Cleveland Browns offense like the rest of the world uh-huh. is. Odell oh, I... Beckham Jr. <sighs> this is where the reality of real football contrasts with fantasy football. Look at the Giants' offense without Odell last year. It didn't just not miss a beat. It got better over the final month of the season. The, the locker room dynamic, uh, the Browns' offensive line has gotten worse. It's not a bad offensive line. It's middle of the pack. But trading away Zietler to the Giants, yeah, that was big. I, I'm very concerned. I don't think it's going to be a, a circus. I don't think they're going to be terrible. But I'm concerned about them taking that next step and allowing fantasy to flourish within their offense. I can, I can I get on board with that. I definitely agree. I think the hype is absolutely ridiculous. All right, so we're talking about the people you do not want to touch, you do not draft. Who is another person on your list that you are just staying away from? Um, I don't know. I think... Let me give you, you one know. that people are going crazy about. Travis Kelsey in the first or second round literally makes me want to just throw up i don't understand people just don't learn from drafting tight ends in the first second round that it never works out i mean you people did it last year of gronk they did it maybe it wasn't last year it was the year before tight ends get banged up they just they just take so much wear and tear that i don't want to draft travis kelsey when i can draft guys like juju smith michael thomas is going behind travis kelsey and drafts mike evans antonio brown people can say what they want his feet are gross but the dude's still going to put up a lot of points. Travis Kelsey's a guy I'm just not touching. This is where you have to look at your scoring structure. Tight ends, as opposed to receivers, the point total is such a major drop-off, and you're only starting 12. I mean, I know they could get thrown into the flex, but because the drop-off with points compared to the wide receiver is so drastic, especially if it's a .5 PPR, you just can't. I'm, I'm on board with you. You can't waste a tight end pick that early. And to expect Kelsey and Mahomes to duplicate what they did last year is just so short sighted. You can't. And that's why it. it's called historic. People got to realize that you're not drafting these guys on last year's stats. You're drafting them on what you think they can do this year. Mahomes is not throwing 50 touchdowns. That's probably going to go down to 30 or 35. And Travis Kelsey is going to be the biggest kind of guy who's going to take the biggest hit of it because it's just that was such a historic season that it's just not going to happen again this year. No, you can't do it. Uh, four points per passing touchdown, half point PBR. He finished with two, 242 points last year. 
Ertz 222, Kittle 214. Those are the only three tight ends over 200 points. I just can't. I can't hedge my bets on one of those stud tight ends. I just can't do it. No, and then even being an Eagles guy, they're even saying Ertz even said himself that he realizes he's going to take a step back in the offense because they had so many injuries last year, and he just got so much volume. That's not going to happen again. And wasting a third or fourth round pick on any tight end, I agree 100%. And even in my article that I wrote for Elite Sports, I wrote something about George Kittle and how Garoppolo – where Garoppolo thrives is where Kittle struggles, and where Kittle thrives is where Garoppolo struggles. So they have, they're going to be in. Remember, he didn't play with them last year. They had backups playing with them. It's just going to be such a mess. Just any advice to you guys? Don't draft tight ends in the first three rounds. Just don't do it. Now, here's an interesting thing: me having two second rounders, two third rounders, and two fourth rounders. Now you could absolutely. That might change things a little bit, but. I don't know. We'll, again, we'll report back to, to the people on episode number two with the rosters. But, yeah, I just don't know if I trust Kittle. He wasn't a high draft pick. He didn't do anything his rookie year. I, I just huh. don't know. And that's such high – like, what people don't understand when I say don't draft them, if they fall to the fourth, fifth, sixth round, which you're not going to do, absolutely gobble them up. But when you draft a George Kittle, you're drafting them over Stephon Diggs. You're drafting them over Robert Woods. You're drafting them over maybe my favorite running back in this year's draft. And David Montgomery, you're passing them up for studs. Just don't do it. Just stay away from them. You like Montgomery? I love Montgomery. He's an I, absolute stud. I just snagged Montgomery in my other league, two-keeper league. Uh, got him in the second round. See, that's where you have to draft him, though, especially in those deeper leagues. I mean, I think Montgomery, they, I see a lot of sites, as all the sites on Fantasy Pros, they have all the experts and all their rankings, which you can find mine on there, too. They have David Montgomery as a 20th top best running back. There's no way I'd rather pick 19 running backs over him. He's going to be an absolute monster this year. Yeah, and you know what? I'm not a fan of Mitchell Trubisky. Oh, no, he's awful. But that coach, that scheme, that system, that works for a running back. Oh, absolutely. He's a plug-and-play. The second that he gets, he's going to get the starters' touches, and he's just going to take over this year. I wrote in the my fantasy running back tiers that I believe first, second, and third round running backs over the last six years have averaged over 234 touches. Montgomery fits right into that mold. He's going to get over 225 touches, and he's just going to... That, that offense is going to run, 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 and he's going to be the guy that does it. Montgomery or Carson? Oh, Carson. I love Chris Carson. Chris Carson, I've drafted him in the second round in leagues this year. That's how much I love that guy. Yeah, those middle-tier running backs, he strategy I love is making sure you get the two wide outs within the first five, six rounds and then loading up on lottery ticket type running backs. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Because that's what'll win you those leagues. And when you think about those guys, you got justice Hill, you got Madison, uh, Darwin Thompson, Henderson down in LA. I would even consider Miles Sanders in that crop still based on Peterson's history, uh, Singletary and Buffalo. Who stands out? Who are your top couple guys in that mold? I'm starting to really like Singletary just because in Buffalo, just because they wouldn't get rid of LaShawn McCoy if they didn't believe in this guy even a little bit. I don't... All right, Frank Gore is maybe 96 years old. He can't read. His legs... There's no way they're going to give Frank Gore the ball more than 15 times a game. Singletary is a guy that... Again, Buffalo is one of those offenses. They have Josh Allen who can't really throw... 
but he's going to run the ball, and they got a lot of those, you know, run-pass options. I love Singletary. Another situation, Houston, Duke Johnson. Oh, I love Duke Johnson, but they just they just signed somebody, didn't they? They picked Duke up Johnson. Hyde. They just, oh, Hyde, never mind, the cop hater. No, I don't like Hyde. Um, I love Duke Johnson. I've snagged him in a couple of my drafts over the last couple of days. He's one of those guys always known as a PPR monster, but that was just because Cleveland never gave him the ball. In college, he was a guy that touched the ball 22 to 26 times a game. Not a big guy, but he can take the beatings, and Houston's not going to hold on to him forever, so they might as well just run him into the ground the next two years. And the most important factor is picking up Tunsil, the left tackle, the stud left tackle from Miami. That was huge. And now Houston has an offensive line with Bill O'Brien, Duke Johnson. I would also advise maybe throwing him out on the trade market because of his value being that high. Oh, absolutely. You could get so much value for him right now. Right. But, you know, it's it's a can't-lose situation, whether you trade him, whether you keep him. Who would you rather between Duke Johnson and James White? Are you a James White guy or no? Um, I think I would go Duke Johnson because James White's coming off, I think, his best fantasy year. Yep. And Sonny Michelle, when they when the Pats got to the playoffs last year, they did a complete 180 and just said, screw it. We're going to go with a power running game, and it worked. It steamrolled oh. opponents. He ran so, the ball 23 times a game, had 112 yards per game, and had six touchdowns in the three games that they played. They're gonna, I love ridiculous. that. Ridiculous. Their offensive line is great. I know they lost their tackle, and they're looking around. If they get Trent Williams, it's going to be bad for the Jets. Dante <laughs> Scarnecchia, the offensive line coach, is the greatest of all time. So I think because of that wild card, I'd go Duke Johnson. I, I like that. So is there anyone else in this draft that you or in this draft coming up that you're just not going to draft? Is there anybody else, or are you kind of just going to see how it falls? Uh, I don't want the Rams receivers with Ooh, three really? with three guys there. Cooper Cup coming back. I had Cup in every league last year too, and he was what in the top three over yeah, the first he was the number two, two receiver up until he got hurt. Yeah, and Goff. Think about teams coming off the Super Bowl; they rarely fa- fare well. Rarely. So I would not completely stay away from all three receivers, but kind of they're all every one of their ADPs are extremely high right now. One or two of them have to drop. So that's that value I'm not digging. No, I agree 100%. It's so tough, and especially on the draft when they come up in that third, and it's probably about the fourth or fifth round, all three of their names are right in the line. It's going to go, it's going to go Cooks, Woods, Cup, and you're sitting there. There's no, there's nothing that separates anybody, and I agree 100%. Just stay away from that situation. If you have any concern in the first five rounds about a player, just move on to someone that has a, a more set kind of place in the offense on their team. Yeah, and Jared Goff is not Johnny Unitas. Uh, Jared Goff is awful. He is so matchup dependent. All the Patriots did last year in the Super Bowl, they played man all year. They played zone, and Jared Goff couldn't figure it out. Could not figure awful. it out. And That's all they- McVeigh disappointed me. Uh, they stuck to the run. They tried run and deeper intermediate passes when all that could be, all they had to do was switch to a three-step short passing game to beat that's the all. pass defense, and they wouldn't do it. It's unbelievable. I mean, that's why, in my mind, the Philadelphia Eagles are still America's Super Bowl champs, just because no one likes the Patriots, man. Oh, oh, right. Sorry, I just threw up on my mouth a little bit. <laughs> But yeah, that'll uh, that'll do it for us today. Uh, the No Name Fantasy Sports Podcast. We'll come back to you next episode in a few days, couple days maybe. Report, let you know how the draft went. 
the Dynasty League and and have a name. I think that's that's where we'll start. You know, name's going to be important, but you know, we're here to help people out. We're here. We're going to be here for the, the weekly ads, the daily fantasy aspect. We're going to do all sports, all aspects, and we're just here to help you guys win in your fantasy leagues. For Lawrence Dotto, I'm Rob Sabo. Catch you later.